I'm Abby. And I'm Allie. And it's about, about time for true crime. crime. What the fuck is up? What up, what up? We're tired. Again, why do we always say this? Because we always record after a full day of work. Oh my goodness. You know, we should... I wonder how different it would be if we recorded an episode like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and like a morning after a nice breakfast. And Ooh, we should try it. All right, we'll try that. We'll let we'll you guys know when that happens. I was going to say, we shouldn't let them know, and then we will see if they can guess which one. Ooh. And it's going to be like, hi, I'm Abby. And then that's going to be like the first one that's like, hey, I'm Abby. Like, <laughs> you mean us talking more than we already do? I don't know if they can, I don't know if they want that. Yeah, my ADHD makes it pretty hard, but I make it happen, <laughs> honestly, so... We love doing this. And I, what I think is really cool, guys, this is episode 20. <laughs> Two zero. That's a lot. That is a lot. And I think, you know, we've grown doing this. Like, we've gotten more into our groove. Our listener base has grown. There's Holy so many shit. more of you than we than when we started. And it's super exciting and awesome. And we love it. And we really need your help. We need you guys to help us spread the word. We can only do so much. If you guys are liking what you're hearing, tell a friend, tell a couple friends, let a family member know. If that family member is okay with fuck. Um, yeah. And like really all terrible things and a lot of foul language and us needing to bring some levity into some horrific cases. It's like if they're cool with that. Then hell yeah. I'm like, fucking down. Tell anybody please, you want. Like send this little like cute little Spotify link or little Apple podcast link. Please. Mm-hmm. We love it. And honestly, we do see you leaving those little reviews. We love them. Keep it up. I know. Thank you. We check our Apple podcast little incessantly review (laughs) section. We really appreciate it. We appreciate all of you. If anybody could just like give it a try to leave comments on Spotify. I haven't been able to see that yet. I don't know if you can. I don't either. But, yo, try it out. I think when I did it, it was just a star, but it might have given a place to comment. I don't remember. I don't remember either. I mean, I know you can just follow it, but I don't know if you can do yeah. that. I mean, I know on Apple Podcasts, there's more like ratings and availability, but you could just follow. And even if you're like not sure when you're going to get to listen, if you just want to download it, we would yeah. love that. Give it a little plus. Give it a little savey save icon thing. Yeah, we'll be like booping all your little noses oh. all over again. Give them a little smooches on the nose. Yes. And in this case, guys... In the spirit of the John Bonet installments and discussing an unsolved case, I'm going out of my comfort zone. You got bit with the cold case bug? I did because for me, I like things to have some kind of resolve at the end. Y'all know this if you've been listening. I need to find a silver lining. I need to find the good in something. And in the unsolved cases, I find it very difficult to do that. Yeah. It's hard. And then it's just like, it sucks over there. It sucks over here. It's just... The grass is all brown. It sucks. So Um, I know with the JonBenet case, obviously we we don't have answers at this time, but I'm absolutely loving Abby's take on it. Babe. Yes. Cute. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, you guys have missed the fact that Allie and I have at least recorded two hours of all of that content twice. Um, But she is coming at it with a good attitude, which is nice because I am like balls deep in JonBenet Ramsey, um, everything, all of the news articles, all of 
all of the drama, the juicy tea, uh, it's literally the only thing going on in my brain right now. So scroat deep. Yeah, not yes. great. But um, I'm very excited. And I do like cold cases. And I think this might be a way for you to think of it as like ending on a silver lining. But for me, where it turns to is how fascinating it is that someone could do something like this and continue living their life. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that's the part that always... It's like not, the, the offender, you mean? Yeah. It's not a silver lining and that it's a good thing that happened, but it's like something to study. Something that interests me where I'm like... Who do they tell? Do they tell anyone? If it's a man or a woman or actually anyone, does their wife know? Yeah. You know, like, does their best friend know? Does their best friend know on purpose? And if you're that friend, how many drunken nights does it take before that comes out? Uh, yeah. Like, interesting, terrifying, fascinating, but horrible, curious nonetheless. Um, absolutely. Curiosa and curiosa. It's just all not good. Uh, you know what, though, you guys? I'm really excited as it's starting to get cold. That means it's Harry Potter season again. Not that it's ever not, but fall is specifically Harry Potter season. Oh, my God. So we just had brunch with our very close friends. Mm-hmm. And pretty much everybody but my partner is like a big um harry potter fan yeah. not that he like doesn't like it but it's just it wasn't his thing he didn't grow up with it yeah but i'm working on him it's taking me a few years but i'll get there oh he'll get there he'll he'll get there and we were talking to our friends about um the harry potter world and universal and everything and just how cool that is if you're such yeah. a geek like us and so i of course was going through all my photos of when i was there a couple of years ago and geeking out over that and so now i'm just like back in it and now i think the couples are gonna go and we're just gonna like book a like long weekend and just say all right let's get out of our systems let's just go that's so and they've never been and she really wants to go and i think he's holding back a little bit and i was like showing them the pictures and i was like see how bad you want to go you see how bad look at the fucking gringotts yeah anyway so i have that that is exciting i've never been but i'd like to go I think that, I don't know, Harry Potter for me at this point, I love it, but it's also a lot of nostalgia. Um, J.K. Rowling has gotten herself into some ish lately, but Sans author, I think the series is delightful and it like has a very big part of my childhood. Oh, I grew up on that and now it's, I think the movies have aged well. Yeah. Like, I don't think anything is like, oh, wow, that's really... Yikes, how corny did you get away or, with that? Yeah, yeah, corny or anything like that. And it's, it's just good, wholesome. I think it's also just delightful because it's like hope for all of the kids who, at least like me, I was just like a hopeless daydreamer. Like I daydreamt all the time. I was never focused. I was never, <laughs> never paying attention. I was just always in my own little world. And the whole idea that like any of that could come true. Like the books were like, oh, this 11 year old just randomly finds out in a normal world that there are wizards and he was like special and chosen to go do something. Although, to be fair, there's ups and downs. Um, Yeah, still wouldn't want to be him, though. No, wouldn't trade places. But it was always just such a fun little fantastical realm that I think child imaginations get really well. Exactly. And I also like when I was a kid, I was, you know, how in elementary school you have the desks that have like the 
shelf right under it you know it's like part of the desk yeah. or whatever and so you had to like fit all your little folders and notebooks in there mm-hmm. and like you'd always have a book for reading time yeah well my books were always like the harry potter books and they were too big to mm-hmm. fit in the desk with all my other stuff so i was just like i always knew what desk was mine because it was the one with the harry potter book on top because i couldn't put it anywhere else yes like all tattered from my backpack and everything and i love that yeah i want to get like a solid like a good collection like the hardcover good book so i can have it on my bookshelf because i'm really trying to expand my little library in our house now cute i know i'm it's it's slowly growing books are expensive man they are expensive although um barnes and noble just had like a 50 percent off sale on a bunch of them what the fuck i know i don't know if it's still going um if it is hell yeah all right we'll go all right so sorry guys that was our thing but you guys want to like come with or oh my gosh we could vlog it (gasps) i'm kidding you guys would just like walk around barnes and noble and listen to us and just like make sure that you have your headphones in because we say a lot of really horrible it's true things the other thing is, um, in Barnes and Noble, a lot of the time that I spend is just like smelling fresh book pages. I'm like, <sighs> there is something <laughs> so relaxing to me about sitting in the cafe part of a Barnes and Noble. And like everyone is like, is that guy watching child porn? I don't know, but he looks Content. calm with his laptop out <laughs> and his headphones in. And that one over there doing her homework. And my friend and I would go there to do like all of our chemistry homework, which Aww. was like, I hated chemistry. I was terrible. Same. She was definitely good at it. I think she majored in it. Oh I my was gosh. I was literally I'm not a science kid. Like I did not like any of that stuff. I couldn't make sense of it. I would cry. <laughs> Horrible. But she was really good at it. And so we would go there and it was like <laughs> the dichotomy of me being like so anxious and so stressed and not knowing how and it's just like the nice like <laughs> coffee shop music and everyone's got their little like Starbucks and I think in my entire life I've gotten one D. It might have ended up being a C minus, but that was chemistry. I freaking hate chemistry. I uh, it doesn't work for me. I need to see it to understand it and it's also small. I don't get it. I'm good at math. That's fine with me. Balancing equations, the only part of chemistry I remember. Your eyes also the suck. Only part I could do. Yeah, that's fair. Like without your glasses? Oh, yeah. What is it like? I'm always curious. For those of you who don't have glasses, what is it like to just like wake up and see? Couldn't. I can't relate. Can I don't. I, I just. I've just decided that I don't wear my glasses anymore. I should. And Babe. I've just. I've just decided that I will not. You should. I know. For your health. I know. For, for little old Allie with a right. little walker. Little old. I'm little young Allie now. Be little old Allie then. Yeah. <laughs> for her health. What's for it like eyes. to be tall? That's one thing. You want to know what it's like to see. What's it like to be able to like reach the top shelf? Annoying I, because nobody else can. So they just ask you to do it all the fucking time. I go to the bar with my friend and I need like a running start to get on the bar stool. <laughs> I can't. I have to wear, I wear heels everywhere. I go out with my friend Bonnie. She's like 5'11". Yes. Bonnie is tall. And then she'll wear like cute little boots and everything. I was like, bitch. You're like, okay, six foot eight. How you doing? Like, bitch. Um, I'm definitely not that tall, but I always wanted, I hated being short as a kid. And now that I'm an adult, I'm like, Ugh, I wish I was short. <laughs> so I have scoliosis and... This is going somewhere, I promise. <laughs> it's such a weird way to... I have scoliosis. Did you know that? Oh, my God. I feel you in on like my little health issues. Yeah. This is for sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> S in my spine, bitch. Yeah. So um, when I was probably 13, I got an x-ray done on my back because obviously, like, you could tell my shoulders were uneven. My hips were a little off. And yeah. I was having a little back pain in my youth. Cutie. And 
they showed me obviously where my spine was like where it was turning and like where it shouldn't have been turning and all of that and then right over your hips there was like this like faint little line and they were like oh do you do you see that very faint line and I'm like "Mm, not really they're like oh well that's your growth plate and when it disappears you're not growing anymore and I was 13 and it was pretty much gone oh god so I have been frozen (laughs) in this stage I (laughs) since then laugh about that although if I'm gonna be honest I probably didn't grow much after middle school But my feet, same size. I don't know what the hell it was. I think my feet got huge in like fifth grade and then they just never grew I still feel like you have big feet. I do have big feet. It's annoying. I hate it. Because I have the tiniest feet. Like I can fit into a five and a half, six, six and a half. I'm like a nine and a half, ten. (laughs) You know what they don't make though? Because I'm pretty much like a kid size. Hmm. They don't make like cute heels for that. Like I can find light up sketchers like any day of the fucking week. I'm fucking jealous. But like a cute pair of like little pumps that like I'm not going to walk out of when I'm wearing them. Impossible. I would 100% rather wear light up sketchers to the club than any heel. Oh. And you're short and I know you'd be like, oh, but then I won't be tall. No, people will see you. You will light up that room literally. And then I'm going to die because you know what always happens when you light up a room? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Let's get into it. All right. Murder, so- guys. We're <laughs> trying to put it off because it's gonna be a doozy it's but sad yeah this one sheesh. and again i just i really don't like unsolved cases so the case that we're going to be talking about today drum roll please <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because you guys clicked it and you know the name of it so really the only one that doesn't know right now is abby so we're going to be talking about the murder of dorothy jane scott <gasps> just okay tell me about means it. nothing to you <laughs> yeah, right i don't, you don't know, know okay yet. <laughs> So, this is an unsolved case, and I purposefully didn't listen to anything about it, so I didn't watch any of, like, the um, episodes available, you know, that corny acting. Sometimes I'll watch those, but a lot of times I find that they're redundant, and then most of it is just, like, really bad acting in those, like, shows, and it's like, I got my 15 minutes, look, and it's like, you're horrible. This wasn't, this wasn't your path. Anyway, (sighs) so... Then you obviously can't take that dialogue for being like what actually happened and the reenactments can just be kind of corny. So I tend to just try to find like what I can read in quotes from family and the people that were there. So I purposely didn't listen to anything on this, but in the articles that I was reading, a lot of times they would not tell it chronologically. Oh. They would start with the murder and then do the backstory. And sometimes I'll do that. But in this case, I tried to really stick with fully the order of events because I think that it it's a better presentation of the story. Okay. And if you look this up later, and a lot of the sources that I used had it all jumbled, and I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not, not doing that. So let me know. What do you guys prefer? Because you've probably heard of this. So moving on. Moving on. From the beginning. Yes. From the beginning of time. No. We're going to go to 1948, though. Okay. So. Ooh, okay. Well, that's the year she was born. It's not the year we're talking about. Okay. But anyway. So, Dorothy Scott was born April 23rd, 1948 to Vera and Jacob Scott. Okay. And that's it. That's all we're talking about for 1948. We're going to jump to 1980, though. Nice. So, in 1980, Dorothy was 32 years old. Right. Okay. She was a single mother to a four-year-old little boy named Sean. Oh. She lived in Stanton, California with her aunt. And she was working 
two jobs. Um, it was like a secretarial position. Mm-hmm. Um, and these two stores were like co-owned stores. So they were okay. not in the same like building or anything, but they were owned by the same owners. And they were in Anaheim, California. And so this was where her parents lived. So they lived in Anaheim too. And when I looked this up, it said that Anaheim was 15 minutes from Stanton. So it's like oh, the shortest cute. commute. Yeah, really good commute, especially with these gas prices. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Um, I was going to say I'd kill for that, but it's like I made a dad joke. <laughs> you are rubbing off on me. This is terrible. <laughs> Yay. So she was described, as they all are, as kind, funny, loving. Her friends and coworkers said she was dependable and hardworking. She was all about her son, Sean, and the father of her son lived far away. So her parents and her aunt were always there to help. So when she was at work, she would drop her kids, her, excuse me, her kid off with her parents or leave him with the aunt or something while she was working. So she had a lot of support. You know, they say it takes a village. I have two questions. Sure. Okay. Number one. Mm Mm-hmm. Do we know if she was in like a long-term relationship, or not a long-term, a long-distance relationship with Sean's father? So Sean's father was in the picture. Okay. He wasn't, so he lived in Missouri, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, he just lived far away, and I, okay. I get the sense that he moved away. Okay. I don't, I don't know that she was living in Missouri and then moved closer to family at this time, like when they broke up or something like that. But from what I can understand, they had a very decent co-parenting relationship. I mean, she was obviously the primary parent and her family was the primary family around him. But it wasn't that he had just written them off completely. Well, that's always nice to hear. I mean, short of them just being together. (laughs) Right, right. The second question I had was, how is Sean spelled? So it's, it's actually short for shanti oh yeah or like shanti i think it's shanti because Sean. um but it was s-h-a-w-n that's cute so not seen not s-e-a-n yeah i'm partial to that spelling but i suppose an s-h sean would do isn't like s-h-a-u-n too that's another way yeah Uh, there's a lot of different ways to spell like a very short name so she was all about her son shanti okay but sean sean um, and again, he lived far away or the dad lived far away. So the parents were helping out and the aunt was helping out. She was also very religious. She was a devout Christian and everyone described her as sort of an introvert and that she would rather go to church than go to parties. Like that was how she was. She was 32, but she was kind of like an old soul, Aww. very family oriented, just spent a lot of time with her parents and her son. She was all about her son. Yeah. And... Her friend said that she was one that would stay in on the weekends. It wasn't that she wasn't outgoing, but it's just when it came down to how do you want to like spend your free time? Like a homebody. It wasn't getting like shit faced at the bar. It just wasn't her scene. Yeah. So the two stores she worked at, again, were co-owned and were called the Swingers Psych Shop and Custom John's Head Shop, which just don't sound like the places a devout Christian mother would be working at. Yeah. But to each her, to each his own. And also, she was in like a secretarial position, and it was said in a few articles that she would normally work in the back room. So it wasn't like she was handling the merchandise or doing like the sales or anything like that. I mean, obviously she saw all of that, but she was like doing the numbers in the back and right. and answering the phones and things like that. So it did strike me a little bit odd that she would work there, but I just I thought that was funny to throw in there. That is. 
it's funny and it is a little bit ironic, but you know, people can have any jobs they want. It is. It's also California. There you I go. I feel like in the eighties, why not? Yeah, I feel like they've always been a little bit ahead of the curve on like um, inclusivity and movements and stuff like that. So, I mean, maybe that's wrong. If I'm wrong, let me know. But that's the impression that I've gotten never living there. So, mm, there's a lot of things about California I don't like. There's a lot of things about a lot of places I don't like. <laughs> Retweet. So, in the later months of 1979 and then into 1980, Dorothy began receiving very strange phone calls while at work. Oh. So, the calls were by a male voice. One that she had said sounded familiar, but she couldn't quite place. And at first, the calls were professing their love for her. Okay. I love you. I need you. I need to be with you. But... Never with a name, never an introduction, but always addressed to her, knowing it was Dorothy picking it up. But we're also never very long. There'd be like a couple of lines and then a hang up. I love you. I need you. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Click. Yeah. Yeah. And so they grew in frequency and intensity. And it got to the point where she was getting phone calls every single day at work. Ugh. One day he would say he loved her. The next he would call and say he wanted to kill her. Oh, so super consistent and super comfortable. Okay, yeah, cool, so cool. it changed. So one time he called her while she was at work and said that she should go outside and check her car because he left something for her. That is fucking terrifying. Yeah. It's fucking, even if my fiance did that, like, what'd you do? <laughs> like, yes. what is out there? Is something going to, like, jump out at me? Is this a prank? <laughs> like, I don't even want to see my car covered in sticky notes. I just, ugh. Yeah, no, thank you. I, no. Super cute. Um, just buy me a coffee yep so a That's stranger fine. this creepy stranger who's now been harassing you over the phone and says hey why don't you go look at your car like that tells me like you know her car yeah did you like cut the brakes you know her Are car you and the you're car? there yeah like that close yeah so she went to check it and she found a single dead rose on her car that's terrifying yeah not like a live rose like a cute little a dead rose okay dead rose okay weird you so totally gave me chills it literally like makes me uncomfortable thinking of that i can't even imagine what yeah. goes through your mind at that and i can't imagine how anxious and frustrated she must have felt because like you're scared and you're also angry like who the fuck is this i like how can you see me and i can't see you what's going on and so you know if i'm her i'm scared for my own safety but i'm also thinking about my four-year-old son that if you know that much about me what do you, you know about my child and what do you know about the home that he is staying in right you know so she feels like she can't live a normal life anymore because whoever this person is is taking that from her well yeah and so it only gets worse one time he calls her and says something along the lines of and this isn't like an exact quote but this is what friends and family had said like she told them about was that it said something like, oh, I love that color blouse on you. Like, the green brings Ooh. out your eyes. Something where it was, like, commenting on the color in, like, exactly what she was wearing that, that day. day. Oh, God. Oh, I hate that. So, it was like, she'd get to work first thing in the morning. And it was like, I love that dress on you. And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. So, he's definitely watching her. And he would tell her that. He would say, I'm always watching you. So, she was terrified. And she told her parents about what was happening, and they were scared for her, too. They were like, 
what the hell really 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 concerned because that that goes beyond like oh that's cute or funny or oh it's a little weird this is harassment right and that's stalking what do you do with that so then she got a call from him saying when i get you alone i will cut you up into bits so no one will find you cute what the fuck and then at some point and the article's like switch between this at one point he ends up calling her home phone too whoa and what never got explained was a when this started happening so it obviously started at work but when did they start calling the home phone right but also was it calling the aunt's house or was it calling the parents house because the parents were only 15 minutes away she's spending a lot of time there too right so it didn't comment on that oh interesting okay so take that with sort of like it could go either way i'm guessing the aunt's house just because like that's where she was and it would be like after work and things like that and if you would call it like your home phone yeah probably be like your home base so now that he's calling her at work and at home like she can't go anywhere without being seen known scared and watched and uncomfortable and fearful and she was distraught knowing that this crazed person whoever it was all she can put together is that it's a male's voice and she can't quite figure out where she knows the voice from but she thinks she might know it right that's it that's all we know and that this crazed person is watching her every move so it had gone to the point where she had taken self-defense classes because she was so afraid well first of all good on her for being proactive yeah but also yikes uh, just that it's getting more intense yeah to the point she had to. to the point where she's fearing for her physical safety too and she was she even considered purchasing a gun because at this point she was like i don't know that i'm going to be able to defend myself i mean she's like this petite smaller woman mm-hmm. she doesn't know if she'd be a match for this person she's thinking how can i best protect myself safely right now yeah so she might have been outmatched she's not sure the police were notified and they set up these devices on the phone at her house to try to record the calls and try to trace them but it was 1980 and the cla- the um excuse me the calls didn't last long enough to be traced okay and again the year we know that it just it, they couldn't gather the information that they wanted right so may 28th 1980 started as any other day oh no okay so yeah it's it's getting worse so she drops her son off with her parents on her way to work she got to work things are normal there was a meeting that evening for employees she stayed because it was a meeting for employees she attended the meeting with her co-workers. Meetings went fine. People remembered her being normal, typical. It wasn't, she wasn't behaving weird, none of that. So also at the meeting were her co-workers Conrad Bostrin and Pamela Head. Okay. So I'm going to refer to them as Conrad and Pam. Yep. So this part gets a little bit weird. Okay. Or at least I thought it was weird. But Conrad had discovered that he had been bitten by a spider <laughs> i know I, it okay. sounds weird but this changes the trajectory of the story so he's bitten by a spider and over the Wait, course yeah let me guess mm-hmm. over the course of 24 hours he develops spider like superpowers doesn't tell his aunt or uncle <gasps> finds out his uncle gets killed oh my god why does rises sound familiar? above it and keeps his neighborhood safe is oh my god, this is it's going? T- is it Tom Holland? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. But Damn it. It was determined later that it was actually a bite by a black widow spider, which can be deadly. Fatal. Yeah, yeah, if not treated. So um, I guess over the course of the meeting, the 
area that he had gotten bitten in it didn't even say where i'm guessing his arm because it was like visible yeah like grew more red and like irritated and um dorothy and pam were like we gotta get you to the hospital dude like this isn't normal yeah so that's what they did so they insisted that he needed medical attention and they got him to the hospital so dorothy had offered to drive and the three of them got in her car on the way to the hospital she stopped in to check on her son um because again she was like hope she was planning on having being home by that time and now it was just like hey i'm actually going to be doing this thing but wanted to make sure that her son was okay yeah and while she's inside and this is important so put like a little pin in this okay she changes her scarf from a black one to a red one sounds like a minor detail now but it comes up later so while conrad was being treated at the hospital dorothy and pam stayed in the emergency room they were like the, in the waiting room waiting for him to get out he wasn't like right. admitted overnight or anything like that something crazy but he was doing his thing they were hanging out in the waiting room she seemed fine according to pam pam says that they didn't leave each other's sides they were talking or watching tv or just like thumbing through the magazines in the waiting room but nothing was odd other than the fact that like their friend got bit by a black widow like that was right. the weird part at this time so pam knows that when they were at the hospital, nothing seemed out of the ordinary and that Dorothy didn't leave the waiting room. Right. And neither did she. So they were together. The whole time. Yeah. Just hanging. Yep. Waiting for Conrad. So around 11 p.m., Conrad was discharged from the hospital. He was fine. He just had to take some medication. Woo. But Dorothy was still concerned for him because she said he still looked kind of like weak and ill and, oh my God, you got bit by a black widow. Like, ouch. Yeah. And you need to get your medicine. So she's like, why don't you guys grab the medicine? I guess they could like fill the script that he needed right there in the hospital. Oh, nice. So she's like, I'm going to go grab the car. I'll pull up front because I don't want you walking far. Okay. Because you're not doing well. You shouldn't have to walk the whole parking lot. Right. So Pam said that was the first and only time like that night that her and Dorothy weren't together. And Pam took Conrad like she walked with him to get his medication, make sure that was okay. And apparently Dorothy, Dorothy like stopped by the bathroom on the way to get the car. And then she went and got the car. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of waiting inside the building, thinking that like expecting Dorothy to pull up and they'd walk outside when they saw her car. Oh, no. And they, they wait like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And she didn't show up. And they're like, this is really weird. So yeah, they start too long. So they start walking outside. So they head to the parking lot. There's like, OK, she's definitely still there. Maybe we misunderstood and she's just waiting in the parking lot. So when they start walking there, they see Dorothy's car, which is a 1973 Toyota station wagon. Cute. And the car is speeding towards them. Oh, my God. Now, it's nighttime. It's about 1130 at this time. So it's dark out and the headlights are on. So they can't see who's in the driver's seat. They just know that it's her car and they see it speeding toward them and then takes a sharp right turn and takes off, leaves the hospital. Oh, my gosh. So they're like, that is really odd. Like, she would not normally do that. But they're like, oh, something must have happened, like, with her son and she needs to rush home. Right. She'll be back. Or she'll get noticed to us or something. So they waited. And they waited. And they waited. And when two hours went by and she didn't return, that's when they were like, okay, this is is fishy. That's 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. So they have notified police. They're like, this is really weird. At the same time, her parents 
had inspected her home and right. so they've noticed or notified police that the aunt parents everyone's kind of talking like hey have you seen her this is not yeah. normal and she wouldn't be out this late and not have told somebody so everyone at the same time is figuring out on their own that this is really strange and have notified the police holy shit so and then la times newspaper dated june 14th 1980 so i found like all the old newspapers from that time and it was really I fun that i i love old newspapers um so pam is quoted as saying we waved our hands there was no way she could have missed us the car made a right we started running after it and it sped up so it's like it saw them and it was like mm-mm, mm-mm, it took off bye goodbye but they couldn't see into the driver's seat because Sus. obviously nighttime and bright headlights and yeah dark you're, cars you're exhausted and probably not like suspecting anything super weird because you're expecting it to be her in her car so they told the police that they couldn't see who was driving the car and it's like 11 11 30 it's dark out and the police at the time didn't think much of it so they pretty much said it was like a crime wasn't committed like if they're thinking of it like okay like she can she can speed off if she right. wants to like yeah you're saying this is weird but a lot of people think she things are weird she wants to be a bad aren't. friend that's her right it's not yeah. a crime right like she's not in trouble for that and they're like no we don't want her to be in trouble for that we're concerned that something happened to her because that's not she would never do that right but at the same time the police are kind of like wh- what are we supposed like wh- yeah they didn't okay. take it very seriously i think they should have at least a little bit more but i well, i can't speak to especially when you have on. the backlog of concerns that's where it becomes like a big red flag it's not just like Oh, a woman sped off from her friends at 11 p.m. Yeah, it's not a one-off. It's, you know, this woman's been getting these weird calls. But again, they couldn't track them. They just kind of thought it was a prank caller, which like wasn't uncommon. How many times did you star six, seven? Too many? More in middle school, but yeah, I guess in middle school, too many. Well, yeah, I'm not talking about like yesterday, but I just mean like when you were a kid, like they thought it was kind of like someone playing a joke, like, oh, haha, this is funny and like threats and whatever. So again... They didn't take any real concern with the case. But her friends, like Conrad and Pam, did not buy that story. They're like, she didn't just do that. Right. But there wasn't anything that they could do at that time. So a few hours later, though, Dorothy's station wagon was found 10 miles away. It's okay, not bad, right? But it was in flames. My God. (laughs) And there was no sign of Dorothy, which was good. So she wasn't found in the car dead or anything but there was also no sign of anyone else it was just her right. car lit on fire now so yay but where I th- is she think we can put it together that dorothy didn't light her own and only car on fire 10 miles away from where she lives and just disappear um, no that sounds reasonable so not fishy at all yeah okay. not suspicious so don't be suspicious from the same LA Times newspaper that I talked about before, um, it said that the police encouraged Dorothy's parents not to notify the Mia. The Mia? The Mia. The media. And that is because oftentimes in investigations, they try to withhold some key information. And we know this and we've seen this in other cases. So that if they do have a suspect that slips up and says information that wasn't available to the police, 
or excuse me, available to the public and only known to police, then you're going to know that that's someone that you should look into more. Right. And if you put all of the information out there, then you're going to get a lot of people claiming it's them when it's not, because there's always people that are going to do that too and say, well, I know this, 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 and that. And well, of course you do. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Cool, buddy. Sky is blue. You're not special. Take a seat. (laughs) But they tried to play some of that like close to the vest. And so that's what they said, or at least that's what they told the parents was that we can't just announce this yet. We want to see if something comes of it before then. So don't jump on it. So a week after she disappeared, Vera Scott got a phone call at her home. So remember Vera's her mom Mm. and Jacob is her dad. So so we remember that. Yeah. And she was asked by a, a male voice that she didn't know if she was related to Dorothy Scott. When she said yes, he responded, I've got her. Oh, my God. And then disconnected the call. That is fucking haunting. For your mom to hear? Yep. Hell no. After you're looking for it, every time the phone rings, you're hoping it's Dorothy. And it's like, hey, do you know Dorothy? Yeah, I do. Yeah, well, I have her. Bye. Click. What? And that you can't even react to that. You don't have time to react to that. The police certainly can't trace the call in that time. I would second guess myself and be like, did I just dream that? Mm-hmm. What a freaking nightmare. And did I, was I actually just speaking with the person responsible for all for, of this? For my child being missing? And months of discomfort and uneasiness and stalking? And so I know that Dorothy's 32. I know that she's a mom herself. But if I know anything from like my own parents and family, I'm, I'm really lucky. I have an amazing family. But like that's still her baby. Yeah. It doesn't matter that she's 32. It doesn't matter. She could be in her 60s. It, her, par- her mom could be 120 and it wouldn't matter. It'd just be like this, you know, yeah. might be really old to have a kid at 60. But you know what I'm saying. It doesn't you. matter how old you are. You're always your mom's baby. The little baby. And she's beside herself. What did you do to my kid? Oh, I would go full. Like, I don't have children, but I, I would... I would be so mama bear so fucking fast. But what do you do when you have nothing to go on? You want to go full mama bear, but at who? At what? Um, yes. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. So <laughs> after that, weeks went by with no word from Dorothy. And Jacob, Dorothy's dad, decides to go to the local paper. So it's the register in Santa Ana. We're going to talk about the register a lot. Um, and so he just says, I'm... I'm done with being quiet about it. I need people looking for her. I need people to know that she's missing. I need this to be a story. So they printed a story about her disappearance. Goes in the register. And then the managing editor, so his name is Pat Riley, gets a really strange phone call at work. So Pat Riley said that the caller said, she was my love. I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her. And he said it was about Dorothy Scott. What the fuck? And he said that this was especially weird because the caller knew details of Dorothy's case that weren't printed in the story. So even though Jacob went to the news media, he didn't say every single detail, but a lot of people like knew some of the details and at least the police knew that. And so when the police heard from Pat Riley what this person said that like set off alarm bells because how did Pat Riley know this? Right. So he knew about Conrad's spider bite. So he knew that she had taken him to the hospital the night that she went missing. 
Right. He mentioned that. He also said she was wearing a red scarf. Remember where we put that pin and where she changed from a black scarf to a red scarf? Yeah. So he is remembering the most recent scarf that she's wearing. The one she wore when she went missing. Yeah. Okay. Which wasn't printed anywhere. He also said that she had called him from the hospital. This is the conversation he has with the editor from the register. Whoever this mysterious person is. Oh my God. So mystery caller is saying that Dorothy called him from the hospital and told him, oh, I'm here with Conrad. He got bit by a spider. And Pam is like, she never left my fucking sight. That didn't happen. Right. And who would, why would she call? It just, you know, went round and round like that. So Jacob Scott said that Dorothy wasn't dating anyone. He said that she worked long hours and when she wasn't working, she was with her aunt and taking care of her son. Right. You know, or going to church. Like, that's what she was doing. She didn't have a boyfriend. She didn't really go on dates. And if she did, they were few and far between. Which is, like, kind of roast. Like, I was like, don't roast her like that. Like, she didn't have any dates. But it's like she was focused on her family. She wasn't looking for a romantic partner. At least that's what we can gather. Right. So, I want to talk about some suspects. Ooh, okay. So, some people suspected the father of her son. So, her her ex right dennis just because he's an ex-partner it's typically where you start yeah but that was very quickly debunked because even though he had come to visit recently he had gone from missouri to california to visit her and their son he was already home by the time that this all happened got it and the dad jacob had called him the night that dorothy was missing so jacob calls dennis hey have you heard from dorothy at all at home in Missouri, and he answers the phone. So there's no way that he's... Right. In, he can't be in California and answering his home phone in Missouri. Yes, at the same time. Got it. Good. But if he did, like, could you teach me? That's, like, really cool. That's a very cool trick, but also I am glad. I think... Yeah. I I like being able to share the parts when it's not the ex. <laughs> yes. And yeah. so he was very quickly ruled out. But other than that, there really weren't men in her life. She worked in the back office at the jobs. Mm-hmm. So she had the same, basically the same exact position just in those two places that were owned by the same people. It was really the same thing. She had a little back office. She kept to herself with that. She knew her coworkers. She was friends with her coworkers. Right. They were all like significantly interviewed and you know, gone over their stories with fine-tooth combs. But also, they work with her. They're not calling her at work. Right. And also, she's going to know their voices. She talks to them every day. Yeah. So, that's all we have for that piece. Then, other people suspect her neighbor. Okay. So, this is the one that if you go down the Reddit, like, rabbit holes, this is what everyone points to. And I see a lot of, like, suspicion and a lot of things that make sense. And I'm like, wow, I think that could be him, too. But if I try to find something concrete, it just doesn't exist. Okay. So I, I'm not ruling this suspect out. I just don't think we have enough at this time that we can even, like, fully point fingers at him. Right. I'll say this, though. A lot of her family believe it's this man. Oh. Okay. So I want to make that known. I think that's important to include in the story. But I couldn't find anything that I was like, aha, we have it. Yeah. So this neighbor, man is Michael Butler. And a lot of people say he might have been to blame because he was odd and would have known her schedule. So he was really weird. He made people uncomfortable, kind of would give you the creeps. And he was 
in the neighborhood, so he might know her schedule. He Just based on proximity alone, he might see her leaving for work. He might see what she's wearing. Right. It's not odd for you to, like, notice your neighbors. The other thing that people say connects him to her is that his sister worked with her. So he might know her exact work schedule. So if, like the hours changed or something like that, he oh. might know that. But it doesn't explain everything with how infatuated he is with her. Because I don't think anyone around him has said like, oh, he talked about her all the time. I feel like someone who's spiraling in an obsession with this right. has like a shrine to her in his room or something like that. Like he's talking about it maybe a little bit too much or to the wrong person or just out loud in a time where she's missing and no one knows what's going on right and i couldn't find anything concrete that was like this is this really points to him but i will say that a lot of her family believes it's him so to my knowledge that's the extent of those accusations but he has since passed away so we can't ask him anymore so while the investigation continued Vera's harassment continued. Remember Vera's Dorothy's mom? Right. She was called. This continued? This can. Oh, it gets so much fucking worse. Oh my God. Did you think we were almost done? Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, buckle back up. Oh. Because we're not done. Okay. So Vera was called weekly by presumably the same man. Again, we don't know. Taunting her, saying Dorothy's alive. She's happy. Other times calling her saying, I killed her. She's gone. I tortured her. I would lose my shit. And like some of the sources said that he would call routinely on like a Wednesday night and it would always be when Vera was home alone. Jacob wasn't home. So she would always be the one to answer the phone. He would say either she's alive or she's dead and she's dead because I killed her and then hang up. (laughs) That is the mother. I don't know what you do. And how much do you dread Wednesday? And knowing. I, I don't know. And again, the police can't track it. And this went on for years. Years. And I don't know whether the police didn't pay enough, just didn't pay attention to it at all. Or if they were really trying to track it and just didn't have the means to do so. I mean, it's possible. But it's also possible that it was overlooked. Yeah, I mean, there's other crimes going on in this time at this point. It's kind of turning into a cold case. It's been a little bit. They've got nothing to go on. And at this point, they don't know that she's dead. They, they just think maybe she took off. Maybe she didn't want to be a mom anymore. Maybe she didn't want to do whatever. They don't know. And her parents are raising her son. Uh. So who knows what he was exposed to during all of this. But then, yeah. you know, when, when we talked about the Paige Doherty case that I covered a few episodes ago. And we look at the missing posts that they made on facebook with her photo and everything like that and the people that took those photos and then cropped them and edited them and put dialogue on them and was like help me mom and i'm dead now and edited blood onto her photos and called the mom and like prank calls and mean posts i mean there are evil horrible people out there that even though they weren't responsible for Paige doherty's murder they're still fucking awful people right and get off on causing pain on top of pain so i don't know if they thought it was maybe something like that where it just wasn't but it's like some people just prank calling thinking that this is funny somehow right and if you're that kind of person that thinks that's funny 
I fucking hate you. Not at all. And you're a piece of shit. Just so you know. You're an asshat. You're a piece of shit. You're depraved. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Goodbye. Just so you know. In case you were wondering, that's how I feel about it. So, the last phone call that they received while Dorothy was missing. Yeah. And put a pin in that. While she's missing. Oh. Was in April of 1984. So, it's four years later. Oh, my gosh. And on this night jacob answered instead of vera and the caller didn't say anything it just hung up so they only care about vera so they only want to taunt in my opinion the woman right so we'll leave that there for a little bit so we're going to move to august 4th 1984 this is in a different newspaper but it's still from the register Okay. So we're at August 7th, 1984, and this new and awful discovery was announced. Human and canine remains were found in a brushy area in Anaheim by a construction worker. Okay. They found a human skull, two human femurs, a pelvis, arm bones, and then around that were like a lot of um, scattered dog bones that they were able to figure out that they were dog bones. They also found a turquoise ring and a wristwatch, both of which belonged to Dorothy. Her mom confirmed that. And the time on the watch had stopped at 12.30 a.m., which, if you remember, she sped off around 11.30 a.m. Her parents are noticing around 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning that she hasn't come home and this is not like her. So if she sped off at 11.30 and her watch stops at 12.30, some people think she must have died at 12.30 or something. Someone, something happened to the watch at that time, whatever it was. Right. So oh. that was just, you know, again, the one after one hour after she went missing. And to Vera, this held a lot of weight. Yeah. She thought that was really significant. So... I mean, yes and no. There's always, and I just have to throw it out there because you know I have to, there's a chance that the watch just ran out of batteries at 1230 on a random ass day. Yeah. But if you're also getting murdered and like dismembered, there's probably going to be some impact to that watch that could just stop it from working. So. And you also, if I'm the mother of someone who's missing, and at this point presumed dead regardless of b- before these remains are, were found and obviously we know that these are dorothy's if you couldn't put two and two together but right even if i'm thinking of that i'm grasping at straws to try to make sense of this right. if i'm if i'm her that's what i'm going to latch on to too yeah and if i'm getting harassed and taunted and it's physical evidence and also it seems like whoever this offender is has a thing with time he calls every wednesday night 12, and, that, and that's it Twelve thirty could be significant in that same way and she was sort of thinking that not in those words but i think that that's exactly right also but she's being taunted and the focus is on them so much that she thinks everything is deliberate so there's a reason why it stopped at 12:30. You know what I mean? Like right. he's whoever this individual is who took their daughter away. Obviously routine reg- like has a has a routine. Right. Likes patterns, likes things like that. Consistent. So yeah. who knows? So the coroner has the bones and 
they start trying to piece together what might have happened. So they discovered that the bones have been burned. Holy shit. But believe that it was from a brush fryer that happened in that same area in 1982. So what they're saying is, okay, it's 1984 now. Got it. The bones must have been there prior to this fire in 1982. And now they're burnt because of the wildfire. Yeah, and they're burnt consistently, you know, with the same age of burning i don't know how you describe that but like they're basically saying it's consistent with the fire that happened at that time okay and so they're not thinking that that was like a deliberate the killer set these bones on fire they're saying it got burned like everything else did in that area when that fire happened right that makes sense to me so the bones had been scattered and that is typical of animal activity in, in the area so that's sort of what what they're thinking Using dental records, they determined that the remains belonged to Dorothy Scott. Mm. So, in an article from the Register in Santa Ana, um, this one dated August 16th, 1984, they quoted Vera as saying that she was sure the calls all came from one person, the same person, and the person she believed to have murdered her daughter. Mm. She said, he tortured me for three years Hmm. because he called her. For three years. Yeah. And that just breaks my heart. And so... Okay, this is this is worse. Oh, no. The very last call they got was also in August 1984, just after her body was found. The phone rang. Vera answered, and the caller asked, Is Dorothy home? Are you fucking kidding me? Yep. Just taunting. Just twisting that knife. Just... Pain on top of pain on top of pain. Yep. <laughs> so I wanted to end this with some words that were spoken at her service. And what I'm about to read is from an LA Times newspaper dated August 23rd, 1984. And this section is from her brother. He said, Dorothy lives, maybe not in that body, but she lives. Oh. And he gestured gestured to the flowers behind him, saying, she's all around us. He said, to me, she exemplified the word give. She'd just give and give and give, no matter what it cost her. She spent her last hours giving and being concerned about others. And referring to taking care of Conrad at, at that time. He went on to say, we have all suffered a great loss, but I'm sure that Dorothy would want this to be a time to give. She would have wanted the mourners to think of the other side, where we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And oh, her babe. father, Jacob, is quoted as saying, we've buried the grief, and now we're going to start living like people ought to. Like, they can... It's not the closure they wanted, but it's obviously. Closure. And that's putting it very lightly. But they know. Yeah. To date, we don't know how she died. We have, it was just the remains were in such poor condition that they weren't able to determine how she died, really right. when she died, although the suspicion is obviously that it was that evening. Right. No one has been formally charged in her murder, but the Scott family, the investigators, pretty much everybody agrees that the man responsible is the same person who had been calling dorothy who called the newspaper editor 
Pat Riley. Vera. Who called Vera. You know, but in really what it could be a different person every single time because they cannot trace it. Yep. No one believes that. But I'm saying it could it could be because we we just don't have the facts otherwise. So her son, Sean, was raised by her parents and her family members are reported to have their suspicions. Again, they believe it was this Michael Butler person, that neighbor. No one's been formally charged. And so one of the things that they said about Michael, and I don't know if this is true, but that he he was so weird and he must have been in it. He was um, into the occult. And so they okay. said that potentially the canine remains being found. They're like, oh, maybe he killed her and then killed a dog as like a sacrifice and had that over like buried her very, I mean, barely. Right. And that that must be what that is. I don't I don't know that the parents are the ones saying that, but the neighbors and people around, you know, how rumors spread in towns right. and things like that. That was sort of one of the things that uses evidence because the bones that were found at the exact same time were canine and human. And yeah, so that was one thing. But can I put something in here? Absolutely. So my roommate, I love her to death. Her mom is one of my favorite people in the world. She is so sweet. She's the cutest. And actually, (laughs) one of the really weird things about them, but I honestly kind of find it funny and endearing um, and terrifying. But my roommate, (laughs) you know, when you're like a kid, you lose your baby teeth. Some parents are like, ooh, fuck that, like teeth, ew. Mm -hmm. And some parents are like, I will cherish this as part of my baby forever. Mm Mm-hmm. Her mom is definitely the latter and mm. has kept all of my roommate's baby teeth in a Ziploc bag with their cat's teeth that fell out. No, not the, in the same bag. Yes, not even separate bag. No, it's just like one jumble. <laughs> it's so freaky, but this woman is the kindest woman in the world. Like she does not like there are worse things to keep in bags. OK, it. it's so funny to me. And that's why we always joke that um, my roommate is siblings with the cats in the home because they're both treated the same. I love that. But it is cute. And the dog bone thing actually reminded me of that. So maybe it's (laughs) cuter than that. I I hope so. I I don't know. We don't even know that it's related. They can't even determine if like that was at the same time. Although it's likely that it is because it was off the beaten path and her body wasn't buried it wasn't like it was trying to be hidden it was just kind of like dumped and so obviously like unless the dog keeled over it ha- happened to right there right whoever put the dog there saw her body too so i think you can kind of put it together yeah. that that was intentional but we don't know right and so what i am going to include in the sources below or in the links below with the sources will be the orange county tip line Nice. The Crime Stoppers tip line, so that if you know anything about the case, give it a ring. You should certainly reach out. But to date, we don't have answers. Her son is obviously an adult, has his own oh. ideas. He was raised by his grandparents. Yeah. He's an adult adult. Mm-hmm. That whole thing is so sad. And I see, and this is, see, I get to this point and I'm like, yep. So if you know anything, call. Cause I'm like, fuck this. This is unsolved. I hate this. Well, I have, I'm glad you talked about it because we haven't really had a chance to talk about stalking yet. 
on this uh, podcast and stalking is one of my niche interests in criminal justice. Um, partially because although I don't think it's technically fit the full criminal statute for stalking, I've had a few experiences that were close, mm-hmm. but um, also because as a concept, it's a very hard thing to prove in a court of law, um, especially in a country that is you know, land of the free, everybody is innocent until proven guilty. Stalking is one of those that's like, so I was just in the same area as this person. Like, I have every right to be here, too. Who are you to tell me I can't? Right. And obviously, in this case, it's different because there's intentional, like, harassment and harassing phone calls. Yeah, she never, I mean, well, she could have seen the person, I I guess, but not enough to recognize them or put it together. I mean, this isn't... Right. It wasn't even, like, in person. It was just, like... Well, and I've had... Harassment. I've had experiences with people that were a little too interested in me that I knew and was friends with. But the first experience I had, I didn't know the kid at all. And so for me, it's like I hear stuff like this and I'm like, okay, you kind of recognize his voice. It's probably like the grocer at the, you know, the local store that you're getting your milk from. Mm -hmm. But the neighbor theory makes sense to me. It's just she might have heard him talk before. Right. But like you said, nothing concrete. So all alleged. But whoever it is, I would consider it to be like a third party acquaintance like that, where it's not someone you know or see regularly. Cause even people I'm not close with, if I see them enough, I know their voice, you know? Yeah. And proving this in law. And also I think sometimes this is where it gets tricky with the cops is in order for stalking to be considered stalking, you have to notify the person that you're uncomfortable and they have to continue to do it. So, like, obviously with Vera, that would be considered stalking. But because, I don't know if she can communicate that she's uncomfortable. Well, just because he called and then hung up? Right. Basically? So yeah, just because she wasn't ever able to respond to that we know of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, at what point do you just go, hey, fuck you? <laughs> right. Like, over the phone or, like, leave me alone. I'm sure. Well, and here's the other thing, too. Um, it would be my luck that I would go to do that and it would be the one time it wasn't that person calling. Oh, it would be like your grandmother like, hey, sweetie, fuck fuck you. you. And you'd be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Whoa. Not who I thought it was going to be. Yes. Unfuck you, grandma. But. But. Fuck my stalker. Like, that's the thing that's hard for me is a lot of things in a court of law are only proven from like a reasonable person standard. So would a reasonable person be uncomfortable with that? Yes. But could you make the argument that a reasonable person wouldn't be uncomfortable with that? And if that's the case, is that probable doubt and stalking? Mm-hmm. And this is why laws are so important. Like the way this stuff is written actually impacts the way that people can or cannot get justice. A lot of times the most common version of stalking that we see, right, is a violation of a different kind of order. Right. So it is, I think, more difficult to be charged with stalking without any prior... Yes. arrest or anything like that because typically a stalking charge is going to come out of a violation of a no contact order or something like that and where you're made aware of when the no contact order is in place that you right. are not to contact that person and that doing so will result in a charge of stalking and so that's how you get to that point but she didn't get the chance to like this there wasn't like there was a no contact order she doesn't have a name for this person right and the last i was aware um For a temporary protective order, not everybody has to be there. But for a full restraining order, both parties have to be in court to sign the restraining order. And so this makes it extra difficult to get, like, full-time 
restraining orders that most don't expire just, after yeah, 90 days most or 120. Temp- yeah, temporary. Right. And that's partially because if you send summons to someone's house that you don't want to keep stalking you for a restraining order that they have to come sign, why the hell would they show up for that? Mm-hmm. And now you don't have a restraining order. You can get another temporary one, but that's going to be up in 90 days. Um, fascinating. And actually, there was a really good podcast on this. Okay, you guys. So the podcast that you should listen to if you're interested in some of the stalking issues gone wrong is Targeted, a true crime podcast. Their first season or perhaps their second is all based on the Tracy Thurman story, which I think you guys would be interested in. Um, I actually might cover it at some point because I think it's a really good one. But it does definitely go over why it's so important to have responsive law enforcement to stalking and domestic violence issues. So definitely give that a listen. It's also educational and run by a professor. I had to listen to it for a class once. Um, But we, because this all sucks and everything is awful, wanted to end the podcast on a fun note again. I think we're probably going to start doing that now. So please cheer up with us. This week to lift our spirits, Allie and I are going to read each other knock-knock jokes. Yes, we <laughs> just found some knock-knock jokes to <sighs> try to lighten the mood just a little bit, because that was a doozy. These are so fucking bad, though. You want to start? Okay, I will. Okay. Knock-knock. <clears throat> Who's there? May I come in? May I come in who? Not till we have a serious discussion about birth control. <laughs> 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 Hey, at least that one <laughs> is very consent-based. I love it. It's so dumb. We need to talk about birth control. <laughs> um, actually. Hey. Hey, knock, knock. Who's there? I owe. I owe who? Me. <laughs> when are you paying me? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Europe. Europe poo. I'm not a poo. I mean, How rude. <laughs> Love you. Hey, knock, knock. Who's there? Amish. Amish who? I don't think you look like a shoe at all. (laughs) Knock, knock. Who's there? Idaho. Idaho? Idaho? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I think it worked. Idaho? No, Utah. Is that what it is? Oh my gosh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I want to die. Okay. Uh, Knock, knock. Who's there? Cargo. Cargo who? Cargo beep beep. I'm done with you. Guys, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you so much. I hope that you had as much fun as we did. I know I had fun in that last minute or two. I know. But I think that was a it was a it's a really sad case. It's just it's all around just bad. It is a straight up not good time, bro. But I mean yeah, I think it shows how far we've come that we have a more a, an actual discussion about stalking now. Yeah. And that's true. We definitely are doing the damn thing, which we are so grateful for and glad that you all are with us through it. And we are happy to cover any of these topics that you guys are interested in. Um, stalking is one of my favorite little niches, but what are some of yours? I'm Please. happy let us know and we want you to reach out to us email us message us on instagram abby what is our email um our email fam is about time the numeric 4 tc at gmail.com 
So that's going to be A-B-O-U-T-T-I-M-E, numeric 4-T-C, at gmail.com. And if you don't send a picture of your fucking cat, like, now, you guys, I don't know how I'm going to do it. You just heard the story. Allie and I talk about this all day long. Let me see your cat, please. I just want to boop the snoot. I just want to go, oh, look at the beans. Toe beans. Oh, goodness. But if they wanted to send that to our Instagram to get it put up there or to not get it put up there, if they don't want that, where would they do that? So they would go to About Time for True Crime Pod with mm-hmm. periods in between all the words. Oh, fun. And the four is not a number because that would make too much sense. Okay. Okay. So it's the word. So it's about dot time dot word for. F-O-R. Dot true dot crime dot pod. Damn, why not podcast? Too long, bitch. Yeah, you're right. Too long. It's four extra letters we don't need to say. Mm-hmm. And we love to have you guys join the ATFTC family by Aww. following us over there. You'll get pictures of all of the people that we talk about in our cases. You'll get fun highlights that include resources, hotlines, um, maybe even a fun... I don't know, giveaway at some point. Oh, you, you know that's coming, but you got to follow to find out. We're also going to always have resources, uh, like national resources, hotlines, and websites that you guys can go to or tell a friend about. Again, screenshot them. All of the websites, there are linked, so you can get to them from our highlights. But yeah. feel free to send those to a friend. They are there for you guys to use. So... We hope you use them. And right. also, our Instagram's going to have pictures of cats on it. Really, what are you waiting for? I mean, really, guys? I mean, also any other pod pets that we have. or All the pod pets. Yeah, the pod pets, for All sure. All the pod pets. Um, so you guys, just send them in. They're going to be cute. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be dark, twisty, cute, cuddly, uh, helpful, maybe free stuff. It's a good place. I don't know why you're not there right now. Why aren't you there right now? Okay, loser, you should get on that. Just kidding. But we appreciate you guys joining us because that (laughs) was about About time time for true crime. crime. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye.